Welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Command and control leadership is dead. We interview leaders, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches challenging old paradigms and fostering cutting-edge leadership. Here's your host, certified executive coach, Nate Leslie. Hey, curious people. What you are about to hear over the next half hour or so, I have a pretty strong sense that it's going to take your ability to level up your ideas and scale them like you hadn't previously imagined. My guest, Teresa Savadago, who I met through episode 18's Todd Churches in New York City, is uh, a self-proclaimed curious strategist who knows how to get shit done. Uh, From figuring out how to get Anthony Bourdain uh, to a dinner party with his film crew, to helping uh, chief marketing officer try to get uh, stay in a role to grow a company to a billion dollars from her home in Mexico. We explored some pretty common sense ideas, but we know that common sense is not always common practice. How to network, like what does that mean? We all know that network uh, is everything, but how do you expand that network often in non-competing industries to people that you can add value to that also can help you scale your ideas and your own network and the opportunities in front of you. She is a connector. She's curious. She's done a million things that uh, really are leaving me inspired as I embark on a new chapter in my own career and pursuits. And I hope that it shines through in this podcast episode, just how to switch from a good idea to a great idea and what needs to happen to get you from where you are now to where you want to be. I hope you enjoy the interview with Teresa Savadago. Here it goes. Teresa, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Lovely. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I'm so excited. You know, we were just having a pre-interview and we were exploring things that we could talk about. And then it was just like opportunity expanding. And I had to stop us to say, let's start. Let's hit record right now because this is where we're needing to go. Uh, What I'm hearing from you as a, you know, a strategic person that can really make shit happen <laughs> uh, is the ability to see opportunity in a network that has to be made and actually go out and, and, and do it. We talk about networking all the time as, you know, it's all about who you know, but you actually, you actually make this stuff happen. And I, and I think it's worth starting from there. What do you want to tell us about yeah. So, um, when I think about networking, um, I used to have a client who would say, I bet you wake up every day asking yourself who you're going to meet today. I'm like, you're so right. Oh my God. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> um, and you know, at the top of my mind, the thing that drives me every day is thinking about who do I know? Like, And that is deconstructing their sweet spot. So I have to know, like, I make a point to know 
almost like a baseball card, what their strengths are, where their assets lie, where they're really, really strong at. And then also like, I kind of take notes on who they know. So when I think about networking, it's who do you know, who do you need to know, and who do they know? And then also what are the strengths that you can leverage off of um, each, each one of those layers? But then also when I think about like, who do I need to know? It's a matter of, okay, well, I don't know this person. What's the next thing that I'm trying to achieve? And who's the very absolute best person who is awesome at that? And how can I strike up a conversation with them? And um, so I do that a lot. Um, And that could be anything from, so sometimes I have an immediate need and sometimes I have like a wishful need, like I'm curious about a particular topic. And so if I'm reading an article or something and they cite a resource or I read a book and there was something that really triggered me, um, I'll look in the index and like start circling names Mm -hmm. and go find them. Um, And on that topic, the other thing that I really like to do is there's people who are the, the central hub of a lot of good, good things. Right. And so I'm, I can, I, I know what the characteristics are of somebody who's a central hub and who's actually really, really generous. So you mentioned that you had mm. Todd churches on uh, recently, and he's mm-hmm. a mutual friend of mine. Um, and Todd is also, you know, he's read all these books. He teaches at NYU he's, uh, you know, a leader and he's also really generous. And so I'll be working through a problem and I'll call Todd and I'm like, and he'll say, oh, you need, you know, either cite a person, a resource for me, or he'll say, you need to talk to this person. So it's just a matter of like also building that cycle of goodwill for each other. So you have better access. Thanks for the explanation. And if you could use a practical example, because what really caught my attention was the scale of these ideas. Like, oh, I need to meet someone who knows someone. That's that's kind of the foundation of it. But when you were describing the scale of some of these projects, I went, holy cow, like which of those in a generic way could could you share as some of that grand vision that you have when you start connecting those dots? Yeah. So, you know, thinking about it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, like who do you need to know? Who's on your A team? So it could be anybody from, are you identifying the next level of your C-suite who's going to take you from 50 million to hundred million? Who are the people who are amazing in your industry that are like that, that I need to be able to start think, cultivating those relationships so I have an opportunity to pull them in when I need them. Mm. Um, the other thing, uh, it could be, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, you might need to know government officials. And how do you get them on your side so that when you have an initiative that you're trying to deploy that, you know, you can actually have a conversation like, hey, listen, I'm working on this thing. How do I how do I get get past that? Um, another thing, um, as a lot of entrepreneurs like venture capital is a really big deal right now. And, you know, you may need some money at some point. Who's going to supply that money and who's got a sweet spot for the things that you're interested in? Um, so there's a lot of venture capitalists out there, but if you bring somebody on, you know, you take their money, you give them a board seat, what are they, what assets are they bringing? It's not just because they can write a check, you know, what are the skill sets that come along with that check and what are their expectations and how can I tap into them, the strength of their network? Um, so, uh, you know, that's kind of the way that I think about it. Yeah. yeah. We talked off camera about 
seeing behind the paywall, as you said, of, mm-hmm. of how, how leaders kind of rise and explore and, and grow their own capacity and grow their roles. And, and, and we, we see it happening, but we don't know how it, how it happens. What, what catches your attention or your, your curiosity about, about that, about how professionals over time kind of grow their network and, and role and scope? Yeah, um, lots of things, actually. So one of the things that I am always looking at is who's, who's doing something similar to what I'm doing, but in a market that I'm not a threat to. Mm. So I can, they're my peer, so I can learn from them, but we're not a threat. We can rise up together. Like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, I learned this. Hey, listen, I learned that. But, you know, as an example, like I used to do PR and marketing and I would tap other people on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast and, you know, we're not, we're not crossing paths or anything. I'm just, how are you thinking about this problem? And because I'm not going to tread in their market it doesn't really matter. They're happy to have that conversation. And so, and I always, I'm very much into a give and take, like I give love, I give as much as good love as I get. So, um, you know, it's, it's a win-win for both of us. Um, but then that also, because I'm looking at those, like who's, who's amazing, who's doing awesome stuff that's outside of my market. I'm also, um, and I, because I'm looking outside of the market, one of my serious competitive advantages is that a lot of people build a network only in their industry. A lot of people only build a network in their geographical location. So like I spend, I'm, uh, I spent 20 years in Seattle. I just recently left. And, you know, a lot of the people in Seattle only have a Seattle network. Mm. And I was like, why? You know, you've got the entire world available to you. Are they the absolute best that you can learn from? Um, so that's what I'm always thinking about. Like, who's who's the best? Like, absolute world class. And some of those people can be really hard to find um, because, you know, they're busy doing it, not writing about it, not talking about it. not. So it's mm-hmm. a matter of, like, being able to, to get that person as a resource it's a, who do you know, kind of a situation like, Hey, I'm looking for this person. And so, you know, I'm basically like broadcasting that out to my network. And I would say that that is another thing is, um, creating the culture of your network, you know, is like, I'm asking questions all the time, but I also run like a robust, I started on Facebook a bunch of years ago. I run a really robust Facebook feed, for my friends that they know that I'm going to do this all the time. So when I start asking questions and stuff like that, it's not a surprise. I would do this all the time, yeah. but then here's the other big thing about that. I bring my knowledge back to the group. And so it's like, Hey, you know, here's what I'm learning. Or I saw this really great article. It sparked a thought. Here's the thought behind that. Does anybody know anything about this? I'm kind of exploring this pathway now. And so, you know, what's great about it is, when I need help, I've been adding so much value to my network all this time that when I need something, sky's the limit. That's that's inspiring. When 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 we were talking about Todd earlier, so you know, I'm in Vancouver, he's in New York City. I'm thinking about the dots that have connected through this podcast. It went from Vancouver to mm-hmm. a series of guests in Boulder. These are all previous episodes, if listeners want to check them out, to a series of guests in Boulder, Colorado. One of those guys was at MIT in Boston, so over to Boston it goes, and then it went down the coast to New York, and then it went to you and and 
And and Todd said, I, I think she might be in Mexico right now. But anyways, I, I don't even know where. Where are you? <laughs> I'm in northern Baja. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so there you go. The, the reason I highlight it is you said my, the people I knew in Seattle had just a Seattle network. Like those days are gone if we want them to be. I just yesterday. Yeah, but remember you said you spent a bunch of time circling in Boulder. Yeah. Right. How many people yeah. did you talk to in Boulder only because they were referring Boulder people? Uh, it was, uh, it was who, who's the next great, great guest. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then suddenly it broke out of there. It's spreading yeah. like, like, like the coronavirus, right. It's just no. And I, uh, <laughs> gosh, you're like, no, no. Uh, apologies to anyone who's been so devastated, affected by that. I don't mean to make light of it. Um, but yeah, so that network of, of believing beyond and, and thinking big, like you do, you know, you told me a story of, hey, we should meet Anthony Bourdain. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> T- tell us, tell us the bold move that you made uh, to make that happen. Oh, so I make bold moves all the time. Um, I, you know, like I put the offer out there and then let other people decide whether they want to respond or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times, and then the other thing that I do when I meet people that are kind of of a VIP nature is it's, got to be relevant. Like, you know, I don't want to, I'm not, a, I'm not here to be a fangirl. I'm here to add fuel to their fire. And, um, that's a really important thing. Um, because we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard and we all want people who are bringing relevance back to us. Um, I don't necessarily need admirers. I need people who can like move the needle. And help me to move the needle or make me think differently or something like that. So um, at the time that, um, so I, uh, at the time I was working with a guy who had a awesome underground, illegal underground restaurant. Now they call them pop-ups and, you know, Stripe made it a lot easier. Um, but back then it was more of a, to, to take credit cards and stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah. back then it was a cash only speakeasy kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so this guy was running these really great dinners out of his house. And he's like, oh, you know who would be a really awesome guest would be Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> and uh, at the time when he mentioned that, I didn't even know who he was. Um, this was maybe season two of his show. And at the time, um, his books were relevant only to the chefs. Right. Mm. Um, and cause TV has a lot of power to bring new eyeballs to a topic that never, like it was so niche before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, at the time I was like, well, who's this guy? I don't know. Let me see if I can find him. I found his email online. I sent an email and I was like, Hey, listen, um, you know, we're doing these underground illegal dinners. And I knew that would appeal to the, the chef in him. And then also, you know, um, it, it's carte blanche. We're experimenting, doing anything that, that is just fun and challenging. And um, so anyway, uh, a couple of weeks later, I got an email back from his producer and they said, oh, well, we'd like to film the show and bring a crew. And so it started me inviting Tony and then it turned into, well, no reservations is going to come film. And then I, at the time I was like, oh no, we can't, we can't have TV crews in the house that we're in now. That place is a dump. 
in, can, you know, like low lights, candles hide a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so how, how can we find a better place to host these dinners with him? Right. It's VIP. So I called a friend of mine who's a foodie and an architect. And I said, any chance you have any clients who are also foodies might know of a place, something like that. He's like, actually, I just got done working on this most amazing house. They, the, the couple is great. They have like a wine cellar in their house and they would love to do this. And so let me introduce you. So I go over to their house. I'm like, yes, this would be an awesome venue. The guy spent a bazillion years at Microsoft. So he's got a really nice house on the water. And, um, that was where we went ended up doing the event. And, um, yeah, it was really special. And, you know, we also tapped some people who, you know, like years later, now they're award winners, um, James Beard award winners who were a part of that. And, um, but the thing is, is that the undercurrent is the, the story that I like the thread that goes back to our previous conversation. I like I like to know what people's dreams are. Mm. What is your dream? What are you trying to get accomplished? And then like, what's the next most logical step? Oh, I'd love to have Anthony Bourdain. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Let me see if I can actually like reach out and ask him. Like, and what would make that compelling for him to, to mm -hmm. participate in? Okay. So I came up with a compelling email and then they came, but I was like, okay, now the stakes got higher because they want to bring the film crew. And I'm like, okay, well, who do I know that would know somebody where they would have a beautiful home? Okay. Well, an architect. Yeah, of course, an architect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, what's following that line of curiosity. Right. And then also, I think at the end of the day, um, the important thing is like, what, what is that next step along the way? Extend the invitation. It's up to them to say yes or no. Um, and, but at least I'm going to do my part. I'm going to be, have the first mover advantage. I've identified the person I want to talk to. I create a compelling ask. And then I just, you know, put it out in the universe and let them decide whether they want to play with me or not. And then I love dreamers. So for instance, this guy, that chef, he's like, I would love to do this. Well, now these days I walk around asking people like, what's your dream? What are you trying to accomplish? And I love the puzzle pieces of trying to figure out how you're actually going to make that happen. And it can be anything from a friend of mine. She used to be a uh, former Olympian who was a master swimmer and um, she wanted to break a world record. And I was like, okay, well, what do you need to do that? And she's like, well, I need to get my body fat down. I need to eat better. I, you know, like kind of same. I'm like, I can help you with that. You know, like, let me come over and I'll make meals for you for the week. Cause I want to cook and um, I like to do that. And then, you know, we'll get your body fat down. And she ended up breaking four world records oh that year. I'm, I'm just scribbling here <laughs> as I'm trying to keep up. And I, I'm reminded of the saying, don't ask, don't get. And yeah. you, but you've added adding value on top of that. That's, that's massively important, you know? And also like, you know, somebody, so the other thing is like what I've started to do, I used to like enjoy the game of like doing it for other people all the time. And now I'm actually asking for help, things that I would like to see accomplished. Um, I think a lot of times uh, it's really hard to ask for what you want. Um, and so I've gotten a lot better at that. And um, so that, 
brings me to another thing I would really like to share is something that I've been doing when we talk about like eyes behind the paywall mm-hmm. is I will say, for instance, I'm working on a presentation of some sort. I'll send it to like four or five people outside of my work and ask for feedback. People that I know who are amazing at what it is that they do. Great thinkers, right? Um, And the amazing thing that happens is by sending it to more than one person, I get multiple perspectives, like a 360 kind of a thing. Like one person is looking at it from the tone. Another person is looking at it from a visual perspective. Another person is looking at that at like, Hey, you know what? I see where you're going with this. Here's an example of one I did, you know, and see if you can modify it from there, you know? So, so I've got this massive, I've got an ask out there, but I've also got a lot of resources available to help me. And the same thing happened. Like when I was working on my TEDx talk, there's, it was a village effort from top to bottom. There were probably like 10 people who worked on that talk with me. I mean, the bones are mine, but you know, the refinement, the, you know, Hey, I think it would work better if you said it like this, I take out that story, add this one, this is even more compelling, you know, that kind of stuff. So asking for help and getting, um, you know, and of course, when I'm asking for help, when I'm thinking about building out my network, how good can I get the help? What's the absolute best level of help I can get? So for instance, one of my friends um, who will every, you know, like maybe a couple times a year, I'll ask her, Hey, can you run that, run an edit through this? Um, she's a James Beard award-winning journalist you know, and she's like, of course you, you rarely ever ask me for stuff. And when I do, like, I'm happy to add fuel to your fire. It's so much fun, you know, and, or if I'm working on like, how do I do, um, how do I communicate this idea and how can I make it stronger? Another friend of mine was head of communications for Amazon, like the entire company, (laughs) you know? And so when you're asking for help, like, how good of the help can you get? And sometimes it pays to find a coach, right? Like, how do I get my mindset right? Who's the very best that you can bring in to add fuel to your fire? Oh, God, that's so, so helpful. It's really inspiring to think I've, I've been, th- that we reach out, but like, how could you reach out better? How could you reach out higher? How could you reach out bigger? And continuing to try to add value. And that trust you've built over years of, adding value without an ask, then suddenly it's time. And she says something like, I would love to, you never ask for anything. Uh, Question, what do you think is in the way? Uh, You said it's harder to ask for stuff for yourself. Mm -hmm. What is hard about asking for something for yourself versus others? I think asking for others to me is more like, it's play. I don't really have a huge stake in the game. You know, the outcome, I'm a little more detached from it. Like I'm just, I'm just having fun. Like, let's see how far I can take this. Right. And then when it comes to me, you know, I think that that comes back to some of my childhood framing and, you know, um, my dad was the kind of person who really wanted independent people. And so don't ask me for anything, even though he was brilliant and he uh, was really qualified at a number of different things. He was just like, you're on your own. And so when you ask for help, you, you, 
were assured that you weren't going to get it. And so one of the things that I became really good at is being a salesperson. How do I sell my idea so that somebody will actually do something for me? Um, and then also how do I identify, well, if, if he's going to be a jerk and like be a blocker, like how do I find, how do I cultivate that goodwill in order to find somebody that is actually willing to help me? And, um, and how do I, um, and that, that comes back to, you know, when I'm thinking about cultivating my network, it's like a spirit of generosity and a teacher, uh, somebody who enjoys like being able to have a teach. Cause some people are like, they're on lockdown. They're like, I learned it. You go figure it out yourself. Mm. Right. And, um, and I have a friend of mine, I deeply admire her, but like, I'd rather not like, it's so painful to ask for help from her. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not worth it. Um, even though she's absolutely brilliant. Um, and so, you know, but for me, like asking for help, I had to teach myself how to ask for help for me. Like I was, I spent 20 years asking for help for everybody else. Like just, you know, a lot of my stuff was just trying to move the needle. Like I'm part of this. It's part of my success only because I was in a spirit of helping somebody else. Hmm. Um, but it was interesting during COVID, I formed a mastermind right before COVID started and we kept it going. And one of the things that was really interesting is uh, every week we would uh, write up our wins for the week and uh, share it with the group. And I would share my wins. And, you know, we started in January about August, somebody, somebody reached out and they were like, you know, I notice all of your wins are in service of other people. Mm. What on this list is for you? And what do you, what are you trying to make happen for you? And uh, it was very insightful. And I realized how deeply I was in the habit of being in service of other people that I, I, I immediately would think of somebody else before I thought about like, well, I couldn't even ask the question, what do I want? Mm. You know, I couldn't answer that very well. And so, um, yeah, that's been a bit of unlearning for me is what do I want? And so now I journal and I ask that every day, what do you want? What do you want? I'm trying to get into the habit of being able to answer what it is that I want. I need to have you on again another time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as we suddenly move to uh, to wrapping up, I'm curious, when I have you on eight or 12 months from now again, mm -hmm. what do you think you might have achieved for yourself between now and then? Oh, that's a good question. I was just, just doing some journaling about that. Um, because, uh, Benjamin Hardy has a new book out about called the gain and the gap, and he's been doing these great videos. And one of the things or the gap and the gain. And one of the things that he was talking about is like, you know, who are you going to be in five years? And if you keep on the path that you're doing, what it is that you're doing now, where are you going to be in five years? And so mine, um, you know, I was a late uh, person trying, I was late to the party of thinking about money and a financial future. So um, I'm really working on that. Um, my goal is to be a millionaire in the next five years to make my first million in the next five years, have it saved and invested. And then also I wrote a book during COVID. I haven't gotten that published yet. My, my intention is to get that published. And um, I did a TEDx talk 
that's been translated into 13 different languages, but I really want to be on the main stage uh, and do a TED, like an actual TED talk. This is such a great place to end because you said, I've been (laughs) trying to find what, you know, is next for me and I've been journaling about it. So I simply asked you and you said, make a million dollars, publish the book I've written and make the main stage at, at, at a TED talk. Grand vision, so inspiring. And I, I have one more. Say, okay. I have one more. And if anybody in your audience can help me with this, um, what I want to do is I, I want to give a commencement speech at a major university. Okay. Commencement. Got it. Noted. So fun. <laughs> Teresa, thank you so much for this inspiring conversation. I didn't know, we didn't know where it was going to head and it headed right where it needed to. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. So fun. Thanks for listening to Leading with Curiosity. Please share, follow, and rate the show so that other leaders can make positive change in the world. Connect with Nate at natelesley.ca. And remember, the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen.